Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and today we have our final conference preview, the last one. We've already done the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 10. It's now time for the SEC. Two divisions, seven teams apiece. Obviously, we know the SEC West, potentially the best division in all of college football. You've got Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M. You also have Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas as well. Then you go to the SEC East. Some blue bloods, obviously. You have Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, and you have Missouri and Vanderbilt as well. Great players up and down the conference. A lot of players we're going to need to get to here in today's show. I don't even want to waste any more time. Listen, rate, review, subscribe. You know the spiel by now. It's the best way to throw us your support going into the 2021 college football season. Jump on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, which you guys left us a question, we will answer it here at the end of the show. That said, let's get into the draft buzz. It's time to talk about these top SEC players. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, let's talk SEC here as we talk through some of the best players in arguably the best conference in college football. So I welcome in Dane Brugler, Ben Fennel, Guys, ton of players. Let's jump right in. We're going to do the top prospect. And for that, Dane, we're going to come to you with a player. I don't think any of us are going to argue that the top player in this conference entering the 2021 season, LSU corner, Derek Stingley. I think we need to apologize ahead of time just for the number of names we probably won't be able to get to a good point. Uh, in this conference. There's just so many guys. Uh, but when you talk about the best player in the conference, you can make the case that Derek Stingley, not just the conference, but the best player in the entire country among the draft eligible prospects, good size, length, six, one, really loose athlete, quick feet, uh, mirrors really well, uh, stays in phase against different types of route runners understands how to restrict passing windows, get his hand on the football. He leverages routes really, really well, times his attack. Uh, I mean, he was really good as a, I mean, special as a true freshman yep. two years ago. And I think he was so special that last year there was a little bit of a step back, but it was almost expected because he was so good on that 19 tape. But even though he took a little bit of a step back last year, it was still above average tape. He gave up only one touchdown. He had only one penalty. Uh, I have yet to officially map out my my top 50 uh, preseason draft board, but I do know for a fact Stingley is going to be somewhere in that top five. Yeah, I believe the only touchdown I gave up was that leaping interception by Devontae Smith in the back corner of the end zone in that Alabama game, which was an outstanding catch uh, by the Heisman Trophy winner uh, and a future top 10 pick there in Smith. My biggest criticisms on him, guys, is this the mental lapses at times. Obviously, it was that play against Alabama where they took off with the kind of quick snap, but some late in the down mental lapses that just, you know, focus stuff to clean up. He has all the athletic ability. He ran official 4-3-0 laser timed in high school. This guy is a freak athlete. He's going to test through the roof. Go put on his high school receiver tapes. Yep. He is a freak athlete, and that's something LSU is uh, rumored to, to throw around. You know, maybe putting him in the returner role or maybe some receiver role uh, as well. He's that special of a, of a player. Well, that's it what wasn't trying to do to get him that Heisman. The Heisman. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly. And it wasn't surprising to see Derek Stingley on the freaks list. He was number nine. But it was notable that Bruce uh, Feldman listed him as a corner slash wide receiver slash kick mm-hmm. returner. Yeah, there's a reason for that for sure. Uh, and Stingley, like going back to the 19 stuff as well. I mean, because I, I watched a couple games from 2020. And remember, it's a new defensive scheme because Bo Pelini was the defensive coordinator in Baton Rouge a year ago. Dave Aranda was the, the defensive coordinator during that national title run when Stingley was first team All American as a true freshman. And 
I mean, this guy is just he, – he is so ridiculously talented. There's not a lot uh, that needs to be said more about Derek Stingley. Really, really fun player to watch. Uh, ben, the other name that I feel like a lot of people feel pretty good about ending up being a top 10, top 15 talent, and then all of a sudden, I mean, Al, Evan Neal, Alabama, uh, moving over. It looks like he's going to move over to the left tackle position, I believe. Uh, thoughts on Evan Neal and what you've seen from him so far? Well, Dane Sighton, guys, eighth, ninth on the freak list. Let's go right to the top of Bruce Feldman's freak list. And that's big Evan Neal from the University of Alabama. Played guard in 2019, slid out the right tackle in 2020 and looked the part out there. Very similar to the way Alex Leatherwood played inside and they kicked out the tackle. Looks like uh, Evan Neal will be over at left tackle. But put on or go check out Bruce Feldman's article for all the eye-popping body metrics and workout stuff. There's some unique drills, him jumping and doing splits, body fat percentage, stuff like that. He is a freak show at 6'7", 360 pounds, exceptional length, strength, functional strength, functional mobility, but his balance and his body control at that size are what's most impressive. This guy is not sloppy at that size, which anytime you get to be that tall, that big, it's hard to have control of your body movements. But he is a functional mover. He is strong. He is technically sound. He has some things to clean up at times. You know, he wants to lunge at times and a little bit too much wind up on punches, flaring his shoulders back, you know, exposing his chest. Go watch the Texas A&M tape against the Marvin Leal. They each kind of took their lumps, but you could see the things that Evan Neal needs to work on. But he is long, he is strong, and he is exactly what the NFL wants that tackle and I think the Makai Beckton's of the world make this size tackle a little bit more acceptable and a little bit more appropriate I know there's some offensive line coaches that think once you get this too big it becomes a problem let's slide you into guard like you know Leonard Davis back in the day with the Cowboys but 6'7 360 he's a big boy and played a lot of good football for Alabama the number one freak list, uh, the number one member on the top of that freak list there by Bruce Feldman, 100 plus players listed uh, on that list. And Evan Neal, number one. And some of uh, the stuff right on the freak list is unique. It's not just 40 times and vertical jumps. There's some unique type of metrics and jumps and balance stuff. And they have their own little kind of uh, score as well with their watts on their split jump. So go find his article. Go find some clips on YouTube uh, or on Twitter. He's a really entertaining player. And yep. not only like did he deserve number one on the freak list, but I was impressed how far along mentally he is. I, I was really, really impressed with his instincts for the position. So eager to see him now at left tackle. And think about it. Last year, Alabama won the Joe Moore Award as the top offensive line. And this guy, he might be the highest drafted of them all. Leatherwood was a top 20 pick. Lana Dickerson early two. Deontay Brown was a day three pick. But uh, you know, this kid has a chance to be the highest drafted of the group. So I'm going to go with a player that, you know, is not going to get drafted as high as Derek Stingley or Evan Neal, but at least probably not going to. But I I think when you look at who is the best player at their position, if you look at linebacker Christian Harris from Alabama, who also uh, was a top 30 player on this freak list that we keep referring to from Bruce Feldman over at The Athletic, six foot two, 230 plus pounds. In high school, he was a wide receiver, a safety and a kick returner. And that athleticism shows up. I mean, a, a big package like that, his burst to the football, his lateral mobility, his overall range and explosiveness, really, really impressive. He's a forceful tackler, an explosive hitter. He brings his feet and runs through contact every single time. He's got... Uh, 
really good instincts and coverage. That high school safety background shows up when he, whether he's playing as like a middle hook player, whether he's matching up against backs or tight ends in, in coverage and man to man. I mean, this guy brings the total package at the linebacker position. I would, he's got a couple false steps against the run. He typically is assignment sound, but you could see there's sometimes where he gets a little bit overzealous in terms of his gap, his overall gap discipline. But Christian Harris, guys, looks like the total package at linebacker uh, and a guy that, to me, like, I could see this guy going in the top 15, top 20. When you look at some of the other linebackers that have gone that high in recent years, no reason why Christian Harris can't be in that same discussion. So uh, I look at him as a player that you could still put into that discussion as one of the best players, if not you know, players regardless of position in the SEC. You know, I have a lot of notes on him. I saw him live twice in 2019 against Arkansas in the bowl game against Michigan. You can't forget he was thrown into the fire last minute because Dylan Moses injury. Yeah, good point. So that true freshman year, it didn't always look pretty out there. He didn't always know where to go, where to get lined up. He was a true freshman. He was as green as they come. He probably wasn't ready for it. But I think now that we're two, three years removed from that, he's going to be better for it. And he's experienced. He's the leader of that defense. And there's very little football he hasn't seen now. And now it's that third year. Let's put it all together and, and show what you can do. And Dane Brugler, Mike Renner over at PFF, Todd McShay, all mocked into the first round. So Christian Harris is certainly somebody that draft analysts that we respect uh, are plugging into the first round. Like Jameen, Jameen Davis goes, to, what did he go? Like in the, or was he 19 overall 19, or something 19, like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, like Christian Harris, to me, uh, a better prospect uh, than Jameen Davis. I, I think you could easily talk about him in the top 15 of this class. Uh, let's go now to the top seniors and we'll go on the offensive side of the football. Ben, I'll bounce it right back to you. Top senior on offense in this class. Well, I was glad this uh, dual threat back from Missouri stayed for a senior campaign, and that's Tyler Beatty, who was splitting a lot of time with Larry Roundtree over at Missouri. Roundtree was that early down, kind of between the tackles back. But Tyler Beatty was the satellite back, the third down back, the guy they were given the gadget touches to, the angle routes. Reminded me a lot of Steve Slayton at West Virginia. Hmm. He's a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands, ran four four six in high school. In 2019, one of 10 players with 300, 300. So he wasn't just a one-year wonder. He's been producing every year. They'll line him up in the slot, line him up out wide. Uh, and they just definitely want to get him touches in the pass game. Watch his two touchdowns in the pass game against LSU this year. Carved up the linebacker. And I think he got out in space on another one uh, as a kickoff returner. He's 5'9", 200. So he's a little short, but he's got a good butt to him. He's got a good lower half. He's a guy that plays through contact pretty well. Uh, and I think this is what the NFL wants in their third down backs, a guy with enough size, enough strength, enough physicality, but he's got juice in the pass game and juice in the open field, catches the ball really well. Go put on that LSU tape. You'll be impressed. I mean, it's a, a big time projection pick by you. And I love it because Tyler Beatty is a guy that you, you mentioned. He was a 300-300 guy as a freshman. He's never had more than 460 rushing yards, never had more than 400 receiving yards. So used in all different kinds of ways, but never in one spe uh, specific way because Roundtree was there as the full-time back. Uh, it was a three-star recruit coming out of Briarcrest Christian, uh, which if you remember, if you've seen the blind side, that was uh, Michael Orr's uh, high school there. Uh, Tyler Beatty, a really impressive name to keep an eye on here going into this season. Uh, Dane, who's the top senior for you? I went with Darian Kennard, uh, the one. tackle slash guard from Kentucky. Uh, he's been a mainstay at tackle uh, for the Wildcats last three years, mostly at right tackle. Uh, he's a bully as a blocker. I, I love the way he creates movement at contact. He'll snatch. He'll create torque with his hips. Uh, the grip strength is fantastic. There are some sloppy tendencies. Uh, he'll misfire with his punch. Uh, it, it, some areas where he needs to clean up, but that's why he came back for his senior year. He is expected 
to move over to the left side uh, this year. So uh, we'll see if he can improve in some areas. I think he's got a chance to be a top 50 prospect if he does improve. I like him better inside a guard, uh, but, you know, we'll see how he does this year at left tackle. And, you know, as I look at my guard rankings, uh, the senior guard rankings, I also want to shout out LSU's guard duo of Ed Ingram and Jason Hines. Both, I think, are you know possible top four round uh, guys in April. So three guard prospects in the SEC that I really like. And don't forget the uh, LSU left tackle. I think just transferred over to Kentucky. You did, uh, Darren Rosenthal. Rosenthal. Yeah. So that may change things for Kennard. Kennard, I think you just hit all the talking points perfectly there. Like him a little bit more inside. The way we viewed Cody Ford at Oklahoma, that mauler, that brute type, that you kind of want to slide into right guard or left guard is a similar type of projection. So I think uh, you're hitting all the talking points there, Dan. Kennard coming from uh, that powerhouse out in Cleveland, uh, St. Ignatius, uh, a big-time program uh, out in the state of Ohio. Uh, For me, I'm going to stick along the offensive line. I'm going to go with Georgia's left tackle last year, Jamari Salyer. Uh, I say he was the left tackle, and he was last year, but this guy has played all five positions along the offensive line and extensive reps at all five spots uh, was the left tackle who got one start at left guard, played a little bit of right tackle, but the year before played both guard spots as well as right tackle. He's played center uh, here and there throughout his freshman and sophomore season. So uh, to me, watching him last year, I see more of an interior guy. Um, but if you, even if, honestly, guys, if you look at just a, a PFF's uh, data on him, I mean, no sacks allowed, no penalties uh, credited to him, very few hits and pressures on the quarterback. Uh, he's been a very efficient blocker, and I think that does show up when you watch him on film as well. He's not super, super impressive in terms of his length. I think length in the trenches does give him a, does give him issues at times, um, both run game and pass game. But he's a fun player, and that versatility, I mean, that's something that he's going to be able to hang his hat on. So uh, I think you're talking about that early day three range there for Jamari Salyer, the left tackle from Georgia. We'll see if he's able to stick there or if he's going to be an interior player when it's all said and done. Uh, let's now go to our most intriguing underclassman on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Dane, I'll come to you first for this one. Well, you know, last year studying Felipe Franks, the quarterback, just to see what he was all about, you know, it wasn't the, the best watch, but all of a sudden when you see Traylon Burks out there catching passes, that Arkansas offensive tape got a lot, got a lot more, a lot more fun. Uh, physicality at the position is so unique. Uh, he's comfortable with the man on his hip. Uh, he doesn't allow crowded catch points to bother him. A lot of times he just looks like a man amongst boys. And this is the SEC we're talking about. So do the routes, uh, his route running, does it need work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially because of the very, specific role uh, that he that he plays in the Arkansas offense he's a slot receiver but a lot of you know motioning into the backfield sweeps things like that so raw in some areas but the blend of size speed toughness it's just really really fun and Fran I saw you tweet about him and you threw out names like AJ Brown Debo Samuel Terrell Owens I, I think it makes a lot of sense stylistically physical tough players but also really good athletes, large catch radius. So Traylon Burks, there, there are so many underclassmen in the SEC on offense that we could be talking about, but Traylon Burks is, is uh, near the top of my list, a fun player. If, if you didn't pick him, I would have. I loved watching Traylon Burks uh, on film last week. He is, I mean, when you're talking about a receiver, 6'3", 220, Dan, I remember talking with you this summer, you asked me about how I had studied big receivers coming out and, and just their usage in the NFL and something that stuck. And I, and I said, look, one thing that stands out across the board is like if you were size alone won't get it done. You have got to be special in another area. It can't just be I win with size and strength. Are you a special athlete? Are you a special route runner? You know, do you have do you have an exceptional trait elsewhere? And I think when you look at Traylon Burks, 
that athleticism is real at six foot three, 220 pounds. And the reason why, I mean, that, that's why I love the TO comp because, you know, TO had that ability to be a game breaker and a three level uh, stretch threat. But then when I look at guys like AJ Brown, you know, the reason why I like AJ Brown, uh, that comparison is that, look, you keep A.J. Brown on a linear plane, let, you know, r- let him run those crossers off play action, those vertical routes where he could just kind of run away from guys. He's got the toughness to work in the middle of the field. And then Debo, his usage is so much different. And you look at how he's used in the Shanahan offense as a, as a slot back, essentially, and taking those reverses, those gadgets where they want to get him the ball as fast as possible. Burks can be used that way as well. And honestly, it was like watching Traylon Burks. It was like watching a high school highlight where he's the best player on the, on their team. They're going to find every single way possible to get in the football slot backside X receiver, line him up on the wing, line him up in the backfield in the shotgun next to the quarterback, give him wild car, a wildcat uh, quarterback reps. It was just, his tape was just so much fun to watch. Uh, ben, I know you enjoyed watching Traylon Burks as well. Yeah, he's played from the slot, I think, 82% the last two seasons, another 5% in the backfield. But we just watched a receiver that has a similar height, weight, former first-rounder in our joint practices today, and Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Fran, I put him uh, 20 seconds. What's the difference between Nikhil Harry and Traylon Burks? Traylon Burks is a much better athlete, and Traylon Burks' versatility is much, much better in terms of his potential usage in the NFL. And the athleticism has something to do with that. Uh, and honestly, I think he's probably a little bit more consistent uh, at the catch point as well. That's the difference for me. Love it. All right, it's Ben. Who's uh, who's your most intriguing underclassman? Well, there's a bunch of let's stay in the backfield here. You know, we touched on uh, you know Tyler Beatty over there. We could have talked James Cook as seniors, but always intriguing running backs in the SEC. There's big boys. I love Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky. Love Kevin Harris, South Carolina. Both 225 pound bruiser backs out there. But we gotta talk Jerry and Ely at Ole Miss. Ooh. And I don't know if he's a running back. I don't know if he's a receiver. All I know is Elijah Moore is not there anymore. And this kid is getting all those touches. He Mm. is a dynamic athlete, exciting playmaking weapon. In the same way we looked at Elijah Moore, you just get, you want to put the ball in his hands. So whether that's jet sweeps, screens, double moves, quick in breakers, which Matt Corral loved finding Elijah Moore anytime they were blitzing him. I think Jerry and Ely is going to be that go-to target for him. This is a guy that's been drafted in baseball a couple years ago. Exciting, exciting athlete. Um, The only thing is he's played just over 350 snaps in 2019, just over 350 snaps in 2020. This guy is fresh. He's hungry and explosive. Look out for Jerry Neely, 5'9", 180, very much in that Elijah Moore package. I thought for sure, so you just started talking running backs, so I was like, oh, he's going Isaiah Spiller here uh, from Texas A&M. And the reason why I was excited about it was that I'm going to do one of Isaiah Spiller's lead blockers in uh, the going to be left tackle, but previously the left guard there in Kenyon Green from oh, Texas I thought you were A&M. Talking fullback. Yeah, no, I'm going to go Kenyon Green here, who was, had been the left guard uh, last year, who was the right guard the year before. So he's shown some position versatility to switch sides. This year, they're going to try him there at left tackle. He's the only returning starter there on that Aggie offensive line. Six foot four, 325 pounds. And it's funny, while watching the other guys along that front over the course of this spring and this offseason, Green always flashed. He always flashed. And he is a little bit of a flash player, guys. Like uh, some of his blocks, just ridiculous. And he is a freak athlete. Uh, he's got the ability to get out on the move and just be a weapon out in space or as a puller uh, up at the second level. He's got some of that to him. Uh, things to clean up from a technique standpoint. Uh, and I think I'd like to see him get a little bit more consistent there. He's not a, even though he's 325, I don't know if he's a consistent one on one powerful drive blocker that I'd like to be able to see one on one with opposing defensive linemen. But when you are athletic, 
tough. And that's the other thing is that you cannot say enough how just tough and emotional of a player he is. If he, if he gets a good block, he's going to turn around and let the defender know about it each and every time. So many times on tape, he would just turn around and just be screaming and pointing in the def- defensive lineman's face or the linebacker's face. He was a, a lot of fun to watch from that standpoint. But if you're athletic, tough, and versatile, that's going to carry you a long way uh, in terms of being able to stick in the offensive line as long as you do a lot of the other little things right. Uh, so Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, a guy that it was really fun, and I think you could make the argument one of the most intriguing underclassmen on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's one of the best uh, offensive linemen in the country, period. Yeah. And I, I cannot wait to see him at left tackle. Fran, how do you think he's going to do kicking outside like that? Because there are times where I was not overly impressed. I think he's a really good athlete, like you mentioned. But in terms of his lateral range, there were yes. times where I was like, I don't, I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that on a consistent basis against SEC speed on the outside. So I, I cannot wait to see it. I, I still have my guard right now, yep. but seeing him by tackle this year should be intriguing. He's one of many guys. I mean, that's like has that's built in this way. I mean, we talked a couple about a couple of them over the last couple of weeks. I know we talked about with Zion Johnson uh, up at, at Boston College, right? Who's like six foot four, which is on the sh- shorter side for a tackle. But 325, and it's like, all right, well, you look at him. I kind of feel like he's more of a guard at the end of the day. But he was really fast out of his stance. He could get on defenders quickly. Yeah. I agree with you, though, that that lateral quickness, I think, will be challenged in terms of his uh, ability to stick and pass pro. I think that will be very interesting to watch here in 2021. Uh, guys, let's go to the defensive side of the football. Uh, ben, I'll come to you first. Top senior on defense in the SEC. Well, it's rare that we have a – a nice hopper and a stable of senior pass rushers in the SEC. Because typically, if you're that quick-footed, explosive, strong, flexible guy, you're leaving as a junior. But, you know, we have Chris Allen over at Alabama. Uh, Sam Williams at Ole Miss is a really nice player. Ali Gay at LSU is entering his senior year after being a, a JUCO transfer, who I think is a JPP clone, mm. uh, especially, you know, his background in 6'6", 260. But we got to talk Kingsley and Abare. From South Carolina. I love this kid. He's 6'5, 270, an explosive hair on fire type of edge rusher. Loves to hunt quarterbacks from all over the field. Plays with exceptional effort and exceptional motor. Fran, I know you studied his tape as well, just running all over the place, leaving his feet, diving for quarterbacks. He's explosive, some violent, violent collisions in the run game. He's relentless. If you think you're putting a tight end over this guy, he almost takes it as disrespect pre snap. He is going to toss that tight end into the backfield and go make the play. He's rangy, explosive, burst the clothes, long arms, long frame, long torso, everything you want as an edge rusher out there in the SEC. He's a productive player, first team all SEC last year. He said, I'm coming back for my senior year. and I'm getting that top of the first round uh, type of grade. I don't think he was happy with his grade from the committee last year. He wants that first round grade, and I think he's going to get it. He's a really interesting player. I'm glad you brought him up because I was going to talk about him and he's a, a really fun player that you actually put me onto him uh, late last fall. Uh, it was like, yeah, hey, you make, make, make sure you watch this kid. He ended up going back for his senior season. So I'm glad you mentioned him because uh, one of my favorite edge rushers, honestly, that I've studied in the entire country so far heading into the season. Uh, with that said, I will, I'm going to talk about Georgia nose tackle Jordan Davis uh, and obviously a guy that uh, has been kind of like on the radar for a while. This is a mountain of a man. I mean, at six, six, six foot six, 330 pounds. Uh, he was an SEC all-freshman pick when he first got onto campus there in 2018. 
the question with him is going to be the pass rush, uh, the, the pass rush upside. I mean, he's athletic for his size for sure. But at the end of the day, are you going to want to keep him on the field for third down? So that might matter for some defenses more than others. And I think that that could impact his overall draft value when it comes to, uh, you know, where he's selected next April. But uh, Jordan Davis, if you're looking for just a guy who is impossible to move off his spot, uh, who could be strong and just really hold up the point of attack, that's going to be him. You just want to be able to see him clean some things up as a pass rusher. He's never going to be, obviously, a double-digit sack guy. But, you know, can you be good enough to be able to play the majority of the downs? If a team thinks he is, maybe they think he could be Vita Vea and he could be worthy of that top-20 type selection. Uh, but that will be the, the big determination of whether or not he can be a first-round pick when it's all said and done. You know, Fran, he's one of these guys that he does the dirty work in there. He's not the flashy pass rush upside guy. But you go around and ask defensive line coaches in the league, what do you think of Daniel McCullers? What do you think of Steve McClendon? Right. Big, you know, nose tackle, run pluggers, or 350. They get tons of respect around the league. In draft circles, the internet, not a whole lot. They're not, not a lot of sexiness to it, to their kind of projection. But they're good football players, and they are needed. But where does it get you drafted? Lucky Foto, he went in the fourth round a couple years ago. I think Jordan Davis is what he is. Let's see if he can add a little bit of a pass rush upside to his game. Kenny B where yeah, Dexter, Dexter Lawrence ended up going in the top 20 uh, a couple years right. ago out of Clemson. No question. Yep. Yeah. And he was Dave, Jordan Davis has verified measurements 6062, 360 uh, with 10 and a half inch hands. So this is a large human being that is going to be drafted probably somewhere in the top 100. It's just, yeah, to, to the point you guys are making, how he performs this year as a senior will kind of determine where. Before we keep rolling with the show, I wanted to take a quick break to remind you about the Eagles' second and final open practice that is open at Lincoln Financial Field August 22nd. It's a Sunday evening. You can get down, watch the Eagles up live and in person. It was a great night when the Eagles had that open practice a couple Sundays ago. Now is the time. You could jump online, get tickets. They're only $10. All proceeds benefit the Eagles Autism Foundation. It's a great cause. Look, it's a great night, and it's a great opportunity to go and see this team up close in person. If you want to see Jalen Hurts, you want to see Zach Gertz and Dallas Goddard on offense, obviously Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager at wide receiver. You go to the defensive side, and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, everybody on the defensive side. It's great to be able to see all these guys work up close in person. If you want to go down low to the, to the field level or – you can go up high like me. Watch it from the, from the up high in the sky. Get a sense of all the different schemes that the team is running on both sides of the football. Now is the time. Jump on. Get your tickets for the Eagles' upcoming open practice Sunday, August 22nd. Be there. It's going to be a great time for fans of all ages. I know my family will be there. It's always a lot of fun. Go check out the Eagles' open practice. Again, all proceeds go to the Eagles Autism Foundation. Dane, uh, take us through. We talked about trench players here uh, to start us off with the senior class. Uh, I know you're taking us to the secondary. Yeah, I'm going Roger McCreary, the corner from Auburn. Uh, not a player that I'm hearing a ton of pub uh, for, but he's my top senior corner this year and a guy who I expect to rise through the process. Six foot, 187 pounds, quick twitch athlete, patient in his stance. Uh, he trusts his speed so he can press. He can carry receivers vertically, uh, but he's also outstanding in zone. So I think I, I fast, fast forward a year from now, I think he's going to be starting in the NFL. Wow. I actually did not know who he was until you brought him up uh, a couple of weeks ago to me. So I'm excited to dig further uh, into his film. Let's go now. Intriguing underclassmen on the defensive side of the football. And we'll start, uh, Dane, I'm going to bounce right back to you because this is a player that could have been brought up in our very first category, the best overall prospect in the SEC. That's Texas A&M defensive lineman, DeMarvin Leal. 
you know, when, when I started watching his tape, I, when did Jonathan Allen go back to school and play for Texas A&M? That was my first thought because that's I thought I was watching Allen's tape at Alabama. Six uh, three and a half, two hundred ninety pounds. Really agile mover. Love his body control. He can bend at that size. He can play inside, outside. And A and M played him everywhere. Right? Yep. They they lined him up. Uh, you know, from the nose to stand up linebacker. Played some Leo. Uh, just uh, the, showed off the versatility. Just the different areas he can attack you. Heavy hands. He can detach from blocks. He can find the football. Uh, still kind of working on the the move to move transition and, and the setup in his pass rush, but the talent is there. That, that's undeniable. He can be a dominant defensive lineman. Very eager to see his development this year as a junior, and that'll kind of tell us: is he a top ten pick? Is he a top twenty pick? To see uh, you know where he's going to end up, but the talent says he's a first rounder. He kind of reminded me like of Michael Brockers when Brockers was coming out of LSU. Like he, he's a fun player because he's got a versatile skill set and a lot of ways he can win. I mean, he's athletic enough to edge offensive linemen, but then he's powerful enough and violent enough that he can go right through you too. And I know he like he, you could tell like this is a physical, violent player. But I know that's something that stood out to you about him as well. Yeah, we were both trying to strategize and come up with names he reminded me of. And I said Cam Jordan. Yeah. You know, coming out of sure. Cal, isn't looking to run around anybody. He wants to go through you. He's a stout run defender. He can slide in and play three tech. There's a no nonsense type at 280, you know, six four. I think he's that type of player. Ben, who's your most intriguing underclassman? Well, this conference is loaded with underclassmen safeties. We could talk Tyke Smith coming over from West Virginia or Jalen Catalan at Arkansas. But I'm going to go with a little high low pair here, if you don't mind. Let's go All Lewis right. Sign at Georgia. He's more of the free safety back end type. And it's a new day at Georgia, guys. I mean, Stokes gone, DJ Daniel gone, Tyson Campbell gone, Webb gone, LeCount gone. So a lot of new bodies in that Georgia secondary. Lewis Sign, that C-I-N-E, is going to be the stud of this year. Had a really nice pick in the spring game. He's thin, long limbs, uh, explosive range, ball skills. You want him on the back end. The guy I want coming down in the box, Damani Richardson at Texas A&M at 6'1", 215. His 2019 tape was outstanding. Rumors were he had a little bit of a knee problem last year. He had surgery immediately after the season, so he could be a little bit healthier this year. But he's tall. He's long. He is a thumper. He is explosive. He wants to take your head off in the middle of the field. Go put on, I think it was the Alabama game as a, a true freshman, 2019. He had some highlight hits in that game. But Damani Richardson, give me him as a box safety, Texas A&M. Back end, Lewis Sign out of Georgia. I'm glad you mentioned sign because he's uh, it's kind of, you know, Cal Hamilton, he's the top safety and then it's okay. Who's the next best safety in the nation signs right at the top of that list for me. Uh, He is one of the best safeties I've watched. I agree with you. He, his, he's very, he's leaner than you want, but that long striding speed, he covers a lot of grass. He is not afraid to hit you over the middle of the field. Uh, Sign is a really good player and definitely one of the better uh, safeties, not only in the conference, but in, in the entire country. How, how does he compare guys to the, to the Northwestern kid, Joseph? Much better athlete. I think really? faster, Interesting. Plays, faster, plays faster. Um, I, I think he's, uh, there's, there's a little more juice to him. Yeah, but I think we're talking a similar style, height, weight, speed type of prospect. Hmm. Uh, certainly in that type of 6'1", 185, a little leaner than you would like package. But uh, if you want them to cover, that's that's the way they come. And it's weird to talk, you know, explosive SEC safeties and not mention anybody from Bama or LSU. 
They each got yeah. a couple prospects out right. there, but Jordan Battle. They'll, they'll have their day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, let's go. I'll stay. I'll go with Alabama here uh, for my most intriguing underclassman. That's because look, Henry Toto was the the prize jewel of the transfer portal. Uh, and he waited a long time uh to make his decision, ended up settling in with the Alabama Crimson Tide. So he's gonna join Christian Harris there. Look, going back and watching, he's been a two-year starter with the Vols. I wouldn't say that he's been like this complete game record uh, when you watch him in terms of like high impact plays, but he's around the football a ton. And he was, uh, he was kind of that field general in the middle of that Tennessee defense. He made all the checks. He got his teammates lined up. He's really tough. He's really violent, aggressive. He loves contact. He's not afraid, uh, afraid to scrap uh, through the whistle athletically, not super special. And I'd like the instincts to be a little bit better. I thought that he got uh, really held up on play action, backfield action, got you a know, bit really, really hard and took himself out of position at times. He's got a really quick trigger downhill, which sometimes that look, that'll look good. Sometimes when you got that bang play action and now you got a ball whistling past your ear hole, doesn't look great, right? So uh, there are times, it's a little bit hit and miss there with Toto, but going into this scheme, presumably going to be the strong strong inside linebacker as the starter next to Christian Harris. I think it's going to be a really good fit for him, and I'm interested to see how those two pair. I've got to be with the best linebacker duo in college football entering 2021. Uh, this guy's got, got the ability to be a really solid starter in the NFL. I just don't know if he's going to be like that high-impact player. I don't know if I saw enough uh, as a blitzer. I don't know if I saw enough in coverage to make me feel great about it. Uh, but solid instincts overall uh, against the pass. I just want to see him be a little bit more consistent with his keys downhill. But uh, Henry Toa Toa, that will be my pick there for most intriguing defensive underclassmen. Uh, let's now transition to our sleepers. Dane, I'll come to you first. Uh, your biggest sleeper here in the SEC. Yeah, like I don't know if he qualifies as a sleeper, but I chose Aeneas Smith out of Texas A&M, mostly because Isaiah Spiller, who's a really good running back, he gets most of the attention. Uh, and when you talk about that Aggie offense, but Aeneas Smith, uh, one of the more dynamic players in the SEC. He's part running back, part slot receiver. A&M will play him at both spots. He, uh, as a rusher, he averaged over six yards a carry last year. As a receiver, he had 43 catches. He had 10 total touchdowns. Again, I don't know if he really qualifies as a true sleeper because anyone who's watched AM play, they know about him, but he's underrated. And I think he needs to be talked about more as a guy that can really help an offense at the next level. Ben, I know you like this kid a lot. Yeah, he is a really good player out there. And I think he's right in that package of, you know, the Kadarius Tonys of the world and Elijah Moore, as we talked earlier, and that hybrid skill set where you want to call him a back or receiver. He could run routes out of the backfield. You could put him in the slot. Wicked route running against uh, North Carolina in the bowl game. Go watch some of those corner routes where he put the safeties in spin cycles. And then they'll put him in the backfield and hand him the ball. So he's checking a lot of boxes and ways you can obviously add to an NFL offense out there. And Kadarius Tony goes first round. Elijah Moore, I think the first pick off the board in the second round, right in that ballpark. Well, it's funny, Dan. You mentioned you're not sure if Aeneas Smith uh, qualifies as a sleeper. How about the fact that I'm going with a guy that led the entire FBS in sacks last year, hmm. but he did it down at Georgia State in 2020, and that's Jordan Strawn, who now is going to play for South Carolina. This guy was a two-star athlete recruit coming out of high school, ended up walking on to Georgia State as a walk-on safety. So he's six foot four. Now he's up reportedly up to 245. Last year played in like the 220s and just would just run by people uh, down there in the Sun Belt. Uh, ended up being a third team all conference pick last year, despite 
leading the country in sacks. So kind of tells you a little bit of a part-time player, right? And we had these conversations. Who was the kid last year uh, from Duke? I think he's got a, kind of a similar type of play profile. Now going to South Carolina, playing on the opposite side of Kingsley and Enigbari that we talked about earlier. I'm interested to see what Jordan Strong looks like taking that jump up in competition up to the SEC. Could have gone with him as my newcomer, but I think looking at him as a potential sleeper, this guy could be one of the leaders in, in sacks this, this coming year in the SEC. No one really knows about him because obviously he played at Georgia State last year. You well, talking Rump from Duke or uh, Chris Rump? Yes, I was talking about Rump. Yep, exactly. You know who knows about Strawn is NFL scouts because I talked to some. Uh, well, one in particular this 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 summer who has a third round grade on him. So uh, he, he's a really intriguing player who obviously, yeah, big jump in competition this this fall. We'll see how he responds against uh, CC competition. Ben, let's come to you. You're a sleeper here. I didn't know who I wanted to go with here. You know, as much as I want to pick Nehemiah Pritchard from Auburn, who I think is a true sleeper, is a really good press man corner out there at Auburn. I'm going to go with a guy that's on a lot of first round mocks, but he might be a sleeper just because of how deep this dang conference is. And that's Kyrie Elam at Florida. Mm. I don't see, excuse me, being talked about nearly enough. Obviously, Florida's defense has taken some lumps the past couple of years, but they are talented on every level of the defense, whether it's Ventrell Miller or Brenton Cox or Jeremiah Moon, Zachary Carter. You know, they're always getting guys in the secondary. But Elam at 6'2", 187, looks like he was built in a lab to play NFL press coverage. He's put boundary corner, good size, length, speed. He's patient. He's calm. Um, he can play that press man with the feet, the speed, the jams, the transition, but he'll come up and force player too. He'll tackle and throw his body around. He's really physical at the catch point plays with that kind of my ball attitude. I think Dane has a mock 13th. I think our buddy Mike Renner has him in the top 10, a top 10 guy is my sleeper in the conference. I think how deep this conference is. I and you were going to give say, me crap yeah, for Aeneas Smith. I was just going to say, if any of us did that, Ben would never, you would have heard the eye roll through the microphone. Uh, but at least he did. He did tee himself up for it, though, pretty well. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, yeah, he, he top 10 pick, but a sleeper. I have an Aeneas Smith poster of my bed in my room. So, you know, we just have a good connection. I didn't think he was a sleeper, but. All right. Well, let's get to our, our guys with the most to prove. And again, this is someone that might be coming off injury, uh, whether it may have been viewed as a down year last year, a change in scheme. Uh, Dane, I'll come to you first. You're most to prove here for the SEC. I'm going with Adam Anderson, uh, pass rusher at Georgia. And Ben mentioned earlier how the pass rushers uh, in the senior class in the SEC are pretty impressive. And I think Adam Anderson might be the best of the group. Uh, at least his talent, the potential is there. 6'4", 226 pounds, 34-inch arms. So he's long, he's limber, needs to add a little muscle to his build, but he's really athletic. He's really flexible. He can bend the corner. He can flatten to the quarterback. Uh, mainly a sub-package guy last season because Georgia is just so deep in the front seven, and that's why he fits in this category. He has something to prove now as a senior. There's going to be much more expected out of him. The talent is there for him to lead the SEC in sacks, to be a breakout prospect. This guy can be a top 50 player if he lives up to the talent that you know he flashes at times on the junior tape. So, Dane, right. I think I listed like 20 pass rushers for the year that I liked on Twitter. Georgia Bulldog Twitter will never let you down if you don't put a, a dog on there. But Adam <laughs> yeah. Anderson, he played 130 snaps last year. He's played just over 300 snaps in four years at Georgia. Very much a third down pass rush piece that Georgia fans thinks this is another Leonard Floyd that's been out there, you know, first, second, third down. 
they're hoping he turns into Leonard Floyd playing every down, but a guy that was that rotational, that much of a situational pass rusher, I couldn't put him on any list until I see him in a full-time uh, role. Mm. Ben, who would be your most approved? You know, I'm going to go over to Alabama, and I don't think enough people talk about Josh Job out mm. there. You know, it seems like Patrick Sertan got a lot of love, and Job is just always being kind of picked over. Trayvon Diggs switches positions, and all of a sudden is a you know a darling of that defense. But Josh Job has played a lot of football out there. He's a very similar package to Elam at Florida with the height, weight, speed, the pedigree, the tall, long, physical press man ability. Plays special teams. 2020 though. 11 penalties. He's just way too grabby. He's not relying on that technique enough. And he's just, uh, you know, kind of scrapping and clawing uh, out there in space when he has the ability, he has the length and the tools and the skill set. So those 16 penalties in his career total need to clean those up. But Josh Job just seems like the forgotten name in the conference. I'm ready for him to turn it on and be one of those top flight corners that they expected him to be. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go to the quarterback position here, and I'm going to go to Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, who's 6'1", 205, so an undersized package here, but he's got a lot of physical gifts. I mean, you talk about his athleticism. He is really twitched up. He could be a part of the quarterback run game. He could escape and create and all that, uh, but you look at the arm talent. He's accurate. He throws with touch to all three levels. Uh, he's got a whip for, whip for an arm. He could put it wherever he wants it. The big thing with Matt Corral, last year he threw 14 picks. It's a high number. He threw 11 in two games. Two games. He, he threw six against Arkansas. He threw five against LSU. I studied both. You wouldn't put every single one of those interceptions on him. That said, 11 interceptions in two games is a high, high number. So you look at it one of two ways, and I, I could see it on both ends. You can look at it and say, look, the way that he played in those with those two games, with those 11 interceptions, he was still firing after interception three, after interception four, did not go into a shell, didn't get down on himself, kept plugging away. You like that. You'd also not like 11 interceptions, not like to see 11 interceptions uh, in two games, right? So to me, like if, if he's able to clean some things up, it was his first year starting uh, for Lane Kiffin. He's got so much talent that if you're able to clean up the turnovers, take better care of the football over the course of the full season, because again, the other way to look at it, he only had three picks in the other eight games combined. So just be a little bit more consistent taking care of the football. If that's 11 interceptions, in those two games turns down to two or three, you're talking about a much different outlook on the way that this guy could be. I think he, the arrow is pointing up. When you look at all the young quarterbacks that have come from college to the NFL that have found success over the last three or four years, the guys with traits have been the ones that have been able to stick I, up and down. You look at the the Kyler Murrays and the and the, right down the list. I don't even to list all the, the top names at, at the quarterback position in the NFL right now. Matt Corral's got traits. If he could just hone in the decision-making, be a little bit more consistent there, the, the sky's the limit for what he could be. He lost a couple of his top pass targets. Uh, we talked about Jerry on Ely earlier uh, at the running back spot, but uh, I'm interested to watch him here in year two under Lane Kiffin. You know, let's just pull the curtain back. Is this, is this a bad year for quarterbacks in the SEC? Is someone going to emerge? Who is the best quarterback in the SEC? Is it JT Daniels at Georgia? Emory Jones, everybody thinks is going to take his starting job and run with it out there. Is it Bryce Young at Bama? who we really haven't seen yet. What do you guys think yeah. about the landscape of quarterbacks out there in the SEC? It's just a lot yeah. of turnover. Yeah. I Definitely, mean, yeah. New faces for sure. Yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, but there. I'm with you in terms of Matt Corral's talent. I mean, he is as talented as they come and the, the pairing with Lane Kiffin is just so perfect uh, really for both of them. Yep. And everything Matt Corral does is smooth. He looks like a shortstop out there with the quickness that he plays with. And, you know, I, there's some things that worry me about him. He's, Right around 200 pounds. You mentioned the interceptions, some of the decision making, some of the 
you know, the, he just looks like he's trying to make a play when he, you know, needs to understand when he can just, you know, needs to just eat it. And sometimes when his team needs him to make that play, but when you look at these quarterbacks this year, uh, and th- I did this earlier this summer when I listed my top quarterbacks, you know, I, I had Sam Howell at number one, Spencer Rattler, number two, and then that number three quarterback, I ended up going Corral because the talent is so intriguing. And I didn't necessarily think that I would, would have done that uh, six months ago, but just watching the tape, I, I was, I was really smitten with his talent and what he could be. I mean, Zach Wilson in 2019 threw 11 through nine picks to just 11 touchdowns. Like if you're talking about the touchdown interception ratio uh, and we saw what Wilson did last year, he changed that from 33 to three and rode that to the number two overall selection uh, in this draft. And so Matt Corral, if he turns things around, the NFL has proven they can have that short memory. If you've got those traits and now you can show that you, you, know, you can come in and operate our offense, uh, you're looking at a potential top five, top ten selection uh, in the 2022 NFL draft. So really, really interesting player. Uh, let's wrap this up, guys. We've got newcomers on the scene. We've got future studs. Uh, Dane, I'll come to you because this guy that we could have been talking about a lot earlier on this show as well to start things off. Yeah, and you know there are a couple of corners you could have gone with here. That the two Tulsa corners going to Missouri, Evans and uh, Allie Green, both those guys are worth mentioning. I went with Darian Kendrick, uh, the former Clemson corner. This is a first round talent. I don't think there are any questions about that, in my opinion. Uh, but he's unrefined on the field and unreliable off of it. Uh, he's a five star receiver out of high school, went to Clemson. They moved him over to defense. He looked like a future stud on the 2019 tape, uh, but there were a series of off field. Uh, issues that led to his dismissal at Clemson. And I was kind of surprised that Georgia scooped him up. I thought maybe a year at Juco, uh, you know, maybe a lower program just to kind of, you know, get things figured out. But it speaks to his talent that Georgia is taking a chance on him. Mm -hmm. And now it's up to Kendrick to stay clean, take advantage of the second chance because he has special talent. I mean, uh, Darion Kendrick comes from Rock Hill, South Carolina and went to South Point High School, which uh, if you follow high school recruiting, that's Jadavian Clowney. That's Stefan Gilmore. They're uh, they're they're hitting at a pretty good average there. Uh, coming out of South Point High School lately, uh, DK Kendrick, really impressive physical talent. His, his film, uh, the flashes are really really strong there. I agree, Dane. Uh, ben, let's come to you. You're you're a newcomer on the scene. Uh, who's who's coming to the transfer portal here to the SEC? All right, let me get the transfer notebook. Do you guys want to go team by team or position by position here? I'm Let's just kidding. A little one. lighter this week. I only got two names for you. I love seeing Wandale Robinson go over from Nebraska to Kentucky. Obviously, Will Levis going to Kentucky as well from Penn State. Let's see if they catch, uh, you know, fire in a bottle this year. But Wandale Robinson was a receiver with 133 rushing temps the last yep. two years. Yep. He's going to Kentucky to play a little bit more true slot receiver, but an explosive weapon. Another big transfer. Mike Jones going from the very rare Clemson Tigers to the LSU Tigers. You don't see that a whole lot, but he's my pick to be this year's Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. He plays in a very similar role, at least he did at Clemson, in that nickel Sam outside linebacker role, a little bit detached. He can make plays in space. He could be a blitzer. He could show off that speed. Also wears number six. Maybe that's why I think he's JOK, just like he wore at Notre Dame. But we'll see how he's used at LSU. I don't want to move him to a true Mike Will. Let him be that kind of in-space kind of hybrid safety linebacker type and let him make plays all over the place. He's an explosive player, was a high recruit going from Clemson to LSU. You don't see that too often, but a really good player. I'm glad you brought up Wondell Robinson too because he was a guy that first jumped on my radar back after his freshman year. 
the Nebraska kids that year, they had three D tackles at the combine. And I remember asking all three, who's next uh, for Nebraska? And they all pointed to the true freshman receiver. Uh, three separately pointed oh, to Wanda Robinson. You got to share those. I said on the podcast like the that Davis day. Brothers, the, the Judy tackles. The Davis, the Davis brothers. And then who was the third guy? Uh, I forget who the third defense. There was three defensive tackles, though, off Nebraska. All brought up Wandell Robinson. Uh, so certainly a name that's been on my radar here for a little bit. I'm going to go with a bigger name here. And I'm going to go with Alabama wide receiver John Mechie, who now is going to be the primary pass catcher here for Bryce Young, the quarterback for Alabama, stepping into the shoes of Devontae Smith. Uh, John Mechie, look, he stepped into the lineup uh, last year due to injury, and he is a fun player. He's got speed to get over the top and make plays down the football field. But what stands out most about Mechie, his toughness, his competitiveness, just, he's got it in spades. And you, we've said this about so many of these Alabama skill players in recent years, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, you see the plays in pursuit, Najee Harris, if there's a turnover, he's running down 35, 40 yards the other way. John Mechie, I posted the clip earlier from the SEC title game, he decleated a Florida defensive back after an interception who forced a fumble. Devontae Smith recovered it. One of the biggest hits I've ever seen an offensive player uh, lay on a football field. But uh, Mechie, what I would like to see here in year number two of him being a starter just clean up a little bit across the board. He had some focus drops. There were some routes that I felt like he drifted at the top. It wasn't quite as sharp as he needed to be. If he can clean some of that up, because I don't think that he's quite the dynamic athlete that Jalen Waddell or Henry Ruggs was. I don't think he's got that much juice. So I'd like him to see a little bit more technically proficient you know, at the, at the top of routes, at the catch point. Just be a little bit more consistent there. But uh, this guy, I think, has the ability to be a starting receiver. I can't wait to watch him here in year number two. He will be a true junior, so he is draft eligible for next spring. Speaking of next spring's eligibility, we'll wrap it up with our future studs. Guys that are not draft eligible for 2022, but we'll keep an eye on them uh, down the road. Ben, I'll come to you first. Who's a guy that you've got your eye on here for 2023 and beyond? Well, as much as I listed off some senior edge rushers in the class or in the SEC, there's certainly some young studs. These guys will be first-round picks in a year. That's B.J. Ojolari, LSU, Will Anderson, Jr., Alabama. That's all I got. Write their names down. Go file it for later. B.J. Ojolari, Will Anderson. Book it. Uh, Aziz is always younger brother, BJ Ojolari uh, at LSU. They are, uh, they are brothers. By uh, the way. What's Aziz ever done? Yeah, right. Uh, Dane, let's come <laughs> to you. Who's, uh, who's your future stud? Uh, before I do, there are a couple of names that I, I just hated that we did not talk about so far. Uh, okay. And that's Charles Cross, that's left tackle, uh, Mississippi State, who was my number two offensive tackle uh, behind only Evan Neal in my tackle rankings. Uh, just a really athletic player who I think has first round potential. He's super it, lean, though. He's got to add some weight is. to his lower half. I think he everyone is. likes his quickness off the ball, that lateral quickness right off the ball. He's so fast. Obviously, he needs a little more functional strength. He does, but he doesn't get pushed around a ton either. I mean, he he does need to bulk up, though. Uh, no question. He's close to 310 now, which is a good sign for him. Uh, and then the top two tight ends uh, in my rankings are both from the SEC. Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama and then Jalen Weidemeyer from AM. Both these guys, I, I think, are top 50 type tight end talent. So just wanted to mention their names. No, I, no Jaleel- Isaiah Spiller either. We, yeah, he could be one of the top name. running backs off the, off the board. Uh, there were a bunch of guys that we did not talk about today. Uh, but for my future stud, I went with Eric, uh, Gilbert, the wide receiver slash tight end from Georgia. Two years ago, he was a five-star recruit, one of the top recruits in the nation. I think it was five overall. Um, and he flashed that talent at LSU last year, uh, as a true freshman, but he bailed from Baton Rouge and he entered the transfer portal ends up at Georgia. And, you know, they told him they'd use him at receiver and it, it feels like Gilbert, you know, he's, he's away from the team right now for a personal uh, reason, but they expect him back. It just feels like Gilbert 
has made more noise off the field uh, for his time away from the team uh, than, you know, what he has done on the field. Uh, but in terms of raw talent, Gilbert is one of the best in college football. So hopefully he can stay on the field because if he does and he plays up to his talent level this season as a sophomore, he's going to create a ton of buzz. I'm going to go with his former teammate because uh, he was an LSU transfer. Uh, Eli Ricks, the freshman corner last year from LSU, six foot two, 195 pounds. When I was studying John Mechie, I was watching the LSU game. And Eli, there's this corner that just dismantles Mechie at the line of scrimmage. It's an aggressive two-hand jam, completely throws him off his route. And I'm like, oh, there's uh, there's Derek Stingley matched up against John Mechie. And then he turns around. And I'm like, that's that's not number 24. Who, who is this? I didn't know. It's number one. It's Eli Ricks, true freshman. This guy was ridiculous last year. He's got length for days. He plays the ball really well in the air. He can read routes from off. He can read routes from from uh, down the field. He can play and finish. He's a, a really aggressive tackler downhill. Solid athlete. You know, at that length, he could be a little bit leggy at times. He's not a burner, but he's got enough speed to carry. I do not think he's a stiff. Really competitive, aggressive corner. I cannot wait to continue studying this kid. He could be a true true sophomore uh, this year, really productive a year ago. He was a five-star recruit, number one player in the state of Florida. So this is not a uh, uh, you know a sleeper in any way. But um, dude, this is a, a, a California kid who uh, was previously at Mater D High School, which uh, you know, that's a big-time program out there uh, on the West Coast. Transferred to IMG Academy, goes there as the number one corner in the country and uh, lived up to that billing for, uh, in his first year. You know, it would pain me not to mention a couple of young backs as well. Jaquavius Marks, Mississippi State. Fran, what does Mike Leach do out there? Throws to the running backs. He just happened to set a single season freshman record by a running back with 60 catches last year for Mississippi State. Look out for Jaquavius Marks. And how about Cartavius Bigsby, better known as Tank Bigsby at Auburn? He is a bowling ball. He breaks tackles. He is fun to watch. He is a bruiser out there. Bigsby, Auburn, Marks, Mississippi State. Look out down the road. I did I did the DJ Uyangalile uh, report a couple weeks ago when we did the ACC. It pained me to not do Bryce Young this week, but there was just so many of those underclassmen that like I, I couldn't fit them all in. And I, I was so intrigued by Eli Ricks that I wanted to do my deep dive on him. What are you watching uh, with Bryce Young? Some fourth quarters from last yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. Just watch, I watch every That's single actually not a bad camp. idea. Yeah, right? yeah, it doesn't take long. That's why it didn't take <laughs> me long to do Uyangalile, <laughs> although he had two starts last year. But uh, SEC, I mean, you're just loaded with talent. It's a Kobe McLean, Auburn, linebacker. You, you right, got to love his upside. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, so much to get to. Well, guys, uh, this has been great. This is our final preview. We'll be back next week. Uh, we, I've got a special episode uh, lined up for us next week. So we'll be back right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Well, great stuff there from both Ben and Dane. Now let's tra- transition into our draft mailbag. We got a five-star comment uh, from right him who left a question saying, just wanted to say, first of all, congrats to Dane on his family additions. As a rookie dad, I fully sympathize with the early challenges he is facing, but happy for him and his family. Also, I've been taking down all of the notes on the prospects to watch this coming season, but was wondering, out of all of the many talented linebackers this year, who do you think is the best linebacker prospect in the country coming into the season? So right him, it's a great question. And to me... If I had to say, if I had to say who was the, the top guy that I've seen so far, I would go with the guy, honestly, that I talked about earlier in the show, and that's Alabama's Christian Harris. And uh, when you're looking at the, the traits that are needed at that position, you're looking, you're, you want size, 
height, weight, speed, right? You want the speed, toughness, and instincts. And so when you look at Christian Harris, I mean, he runs like a guy that's going to be in that low four sixes, high four fives. I mean, he, he is a, a freak athlete for six, three over 230 pounds. He's got great range. He's got quickness to get in and out of cuts. He can play man to man against the back and tight end. He's got the size to be able to handle tight ends. Not all linebackers do. I think that Harris has that, uh, but he also has the ability to make plays in zone coverage and rally to the football and make plays at the catch point. He showed a nice ability to be able to read routes from the middle of the field. And so you've got a guy that can impact the pass game. He's still coming along mentally in the run game, but as Ben mentioned, uh, was kind of thrown into the fire. It was a high school safety. So only three years removed from that two years based off last year's tape. So he's going to be in his third year playing linebacker here this fall. I think that the sky, the sky's the limit for this kid. And look, Ruben Foster in terms of on field play, was the gold standard at linebacker in terms of prospects, right? And it's very rare that you find somebody that has that level, every trait kind of put together. You know, some guys have the physical, but don't have the mental. Some guys have all the mental, but don't have the physical, right? I think Christian Harris, one of the closest guys that I've seen in recent years that have that total package. I just want to be able to see him see things a little bit faster, a little bit cleaner uh, in the run game. And I think he's going to be uh, kind of on that mantle. So, uh, you know, I made the pitch for, for Christian Harris earlier in the show. That would be my, my answer here for this question. So Wilt, uh, great question. Thanks so much for the review. Thanks so much uh, for listening uh, all these years. Really appreciate the feedback. Appreciate the support. Thanks to him. And thanks to all of you out there for your support of this show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Like I said, I teased at the end, I've got a fun show lined up for early next week right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Hi, Eagles fans. I'm Connor Barwin, and I'm here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This year's event will take place on Saturday, August 21st, and we can't wait to see all of you back at Lincoln Financial Field live and in person. Register today to walk, run, or ride. In addition to making a transformational impact on the autism community, you'll also receive a complimentary ticket to our public practice on Sunday, August 22nd. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org, and I'll see you there.